fascinating gadgets, gizmos, and gear-based technologies. Welcome to Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies. You guys know the show, right? You're here yes. sitting in front of me. Absolutely. Take pop culture technology, make it in real life. Um, we do it with this group. We call them the Brain Trust. And by them, I mean us, because uh, I'm a part of that analytical mastermind, Daniel J. Glenn, right here. I'm the one who said that. Uh, we got the physics phenom, Dr. Michael Denon, right next to me. Always fun to do this. I love having you here, Dr. Denon. Yeah. Uh, and the same goes for the enigmatic engineer, Ben Siebser, the man of mystery here. Ben, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Dan. Uh, I, I'm excited about this. There's lots of things that I wish I could zap away, um, you know, including the previous 20 minutes uh, of my life uh, for <laughs> reasons um, that will go unsaid in the podcast, mainly because this is our third take. But this is going to be the best <laughs> one. I'm excited about this. Um, but I'd love to make that go away, guys. If that's I okay understand. Uh, <laughs> I've forgotten it already. Perfect. What happened? Uh, exactly. <laughs> I see it working already. See, that's what we're going to get to, guys. Uh, so I imagine and everyone's past, including the guy sitting next to me. Um, there's a time in your life where you wish something that happened hadn't happened. You can make everyone around you forget that incident. Uh, I'm looking at Ben here. Ben looks like he's got something that, you know, he's already told me three times, yeah. and I want to hear it for a fourth. Uh, let's hear it, Ben. So I definitely think back to when I was in karate class as a little elementary school age kid. Mm -hmm. And we were playing tag as like a warm up, you know, running around. Yeah. And for some reason, my older sister was there, wasn't even in the class. But she was playing tag with us and she was chasing me and she grabbed my pants and I tried to get away yeah. and my pants came right off <laughs> for the whole class. What? Now, was this, was it on accident or was this on purpose? Who can say with older sisters? Well, did you confront her? What is her story? You know, my family doesn't really work that way with confrontation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my family was very different. Uh, <laughs> I would have handled that a different way, but so no one really knows. Yeah. You know, I never asked her in, in the moment why oh, fair enough. she grabbed my pants. Now, now, I want this to be on. I want this to be recorded, guys, because you guys know what I'm about to say. What did you guys call that when you when you would get you have your pants removed by somebody else? You get pants. You get pants. What did you say, Denon? We never said anything because it actually didn't really happen, but I know where you're going. Well, I, I was, I've heard it as pantsed. Okay, all right. So I was called the deep pantsed. Everyone that I knew was called getting deep pantsed, which makes way more sense than getting pantsed. Were you in a very grammar-focused crowd? Uh, I don't know about that, but I've always been one for accuracy. I'm the analytical mastermind. Yeah. Dr. Denon, if I, I want to know that. the physics behind pulling someone's pants down, I'm going to go to you. When I, I go to hi, what you should call it, I'm going to go to me. I, I, I respect that. Thank you. Uh, and I got to tell you, you're not putting pants on somebody. You're taking them off. You guys can at least agree with me that it's a silly word. Yes, sure. <laughs> but I, I do prefer un I wanted more. <laughs> I, I do. I'm sorry. Deep pants uh, is a little too hard to process. My brain's like, huh? Okay, that's fair enough. I'm, I'll go with unpants. Because that okay. could just be the pants. <laughs> the pants. <laughs> the pants. Da pants. Uh, all right, so that's that's Ben's. We've analyzed it to death, uh, which is what okay. I love. Then I imagine there's something with you. Well, like I said before, in another life, yeah. um, there isn't a whole lot I want to race. I'm actually pretty comfortable with my actions. But I do remember <laughs> in high school. We are very different, Dennis. We are. <laughs> in high school, having an open goal. Needing the score to win, yeah. being about a foot away from the goal, impossible to miss, physically impossible. And you've done the math. <laughs> and I've done the math, and I put it over the top of the goal. That was 
very embarrassing. I still yes. don't know how I did it, but I use it as a teaching moment when I coach soccer. So I guess okay. it's good that it wasn't erased from my brain, but I would like it erased from everybody else's. <laughs> was it recorded? Do you show this? No, it was not. Re- that was before people recorded things. I just oh. describe it. Oh, I see. In vivid detail. It was written on a stone wall. It's in a cave someplace. In a cave someplace. <laughs> in a cave wall. Yeah. Uh, that's, I imagine it to be. That's pretty embarrassing. Uh, but I think at the by the end of today, we are going to have an answer to erasing people's brains around us. But that all starts with memory, guys. Well, actually, I hope we don't erase their brain, just their memory. <laughs> We're going to erase their brain. Oh, okay. The whole thing. <laughs> well, kind of curious what the goal is. <laughs> a full hard drive delete of their brain is what, okay. uh, what the goal is. You can use it for whatever you'd like. Okay. Uh, we've got to go with memory. we got to talk about memory first. Memory is very complex. It is. Um, but luckily, very. we have um, a former rocket scientist, current neuro engineer. Am I allowed to say that? Neuro engineer. Yeah, neuro engineer, sure. So, <laughs> what goes on with memory? What do you, what do you guys fill so, with? So, the brain is a very complicated organ. Mm-hmm. We still only have scratched the surface of it, really. Mm-hmm. But what we do know is that in your brain, there's about 100 billion neurons. And each of those neurons is connected to hundreds or even thousands of other neurons. And what we know is as you experience life, those neurons change their connections and reorganize themselves and recombobulate your brain. And that change of structure is part of what is learning. Yeah. So they combobulate first, and then they recombobulate yeah. later on as you learn and well, they experience. Might just be, or decombobulate they might be, and uncombobulate. <laughs> they might just be uncombobulated right. at the beginning. Right. Makes sense. Uh, because, and as we get older, it, there's less and less of that. So that's right. another interesting thing, because as your brain fills up, right. you know, there's things that are deemed important, and it doesn't want to erase them anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and, and memory is funny like that, because... Um, you know, you're talking about it filling up. We got stuff in our head. We think of memory like a book coming off the shelf. It's in right. perfect order, like you're reading a book, but it's not. Denon, you know how I know uh, about memory? I do because you interviewed one of my colleagues, a very <gasps> famous exactly person. Right. I'll let you do the um, promotion. Well, so watch this right here. Here it comes. You know, fascinating nouns. I did an interview with Dr. Elizabeth Loftus, the the eyewitness person, she changed the way people believe, uh, the way people process eyewitness testimony. Incredible stuff. Basically, no memory is safe from being combobulated, reconbobulated, uncombobulated, and then put back together again. Uh, everything can be altered and changed, which is actually kind of scary when yeah. you think about it, how, how malleable our memory is. It's pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, I know for a fact my kids insist my stories change over time and are different, but they're perfect memories. I know they're accurate. Of well, course they're, they're. They're misremembering your stories. Exactly. That's <laughs> what's happening. <laughs> and that can happen. That's what's crazy. Yeah. So let's do, I want to do a couple quick things here for history so we can understand the, the history of memory. This is important stuff here. So where did we first learn about memory and that it can change? Uh, There was in the 1950s, a a woman named Dr. Brenda Milner studied a guy named Henry Molson. Now, this guy was he fell off a bike. He started having seizures. No one understood why. So what she did is she went in there and adjusted his hippocampus. She fiddled around in there. And what happened was. He couldn't make new memories anymore. It was just like the TV. The, gee, I always do this. Just like the movie Memento, couldn't make any new memories. Seven minutes, like that was it. So the hippocampus is key to things. We're going to come back to that in a second. Then uh, Eric Kandel discovered that long-term memory was created by the addition of new neurons, new connections, as Ben alluded to. And that is, it's the physical change in the brain that makes new memories. This is important. A single memory what we found out through all this process is a single memory is actually 
it's it's everything you experience as you're walking through life. Is that how you said it, Ben? As you're going through life, experiencing going through, life. going through life, experiencing it. Everything. What I'm doing right now. Um, you know, everyone around me is hearing me. Uh, hopefully, they're not smelling me, but they may be smelling me. They're definitely not feeling me or tasting me. But you may be doing those things. Each one of those little sense sensory inputs is coded in a different part of your brain, and the hippocampus is the guy who brings all those together and gives you your memory. And the crazy thing is, at any point along there, when you're taking the memory in, when you're storing it in your brain, or when you're recalling it, every single time you do one of those things, you can alter the memory, which I think is gonna be the foundation for creating a way to get rid of them completely. I think you're right. Absolutely. So <laughs> I think that's the, the nefarious part here. From a physics, from an electrochemical standpoint, right. what could we do in there to, to fix this? So you said the key word, mm -hmm. electrochemical. Mm -hmm. So one thing we have to keep in mind as we explore the technology and when Ben comes in with the engineering yeah. is that we're not doing simple electronics the way like the computer or our house does with just electrons moving through wires. Mm -hmm. It's a complicated electrochemical process. So there's chemistry going on, there's ions mm -hmm. in solution, there's things happening with the cells. Right. The other thing that people are starting to find out, and I've learned this from some colleagues at UCI, is genetics can be involved as well. Epigenetics, mm. right? The expression of genes. You're not actually changing your core genes, but you can change the expression, which genes okay. are being expressed, right. which okay, are turned on sense. and which are turned off. Yeah. And that can play a role, particularly in long-term memory. And this has been found from studying rats. Okay. But I do think as we get there, you know, we're going after the neuralizer. Mm -hmm. The key thing of the neuralizer is light, and it seems to have to do with vision. Mm -hmm. right, and, right, right. And we are fundamentally, our primary sense as humans is visual. Mm -hmm. And it's a major entryway into the brain. So even though, as you said, you're dealing with all these other senses as well in memory and they're all there. Right. Vision is number one. Yeah. And probably sound number two. And if you notice, there's a vision impulse and then they say something. So we're right. taking our two top sort of senses right. and entering the brain that way. So at least at a first starting glance, mm -hmm. we're not too far off probably from a physics point of view. Well, I want to say something because I like what you said there. I agree with all of it. That's, this just popped into my head right now. This is what I do. But the... But the olfactory, your smell, your, your schnoz, that is the closest sense to memory. So, so I sure. wonder if there's some way, like, is there, does it have some kind of special connection with memory? And I wonder if there's any way we could go into that. I might be taking us down a rabbit hole, take me back if we're going too far. This just popped into my head. I think there could be some secret little way here where we use memory to actually, or use smell to erase memory. That might be, it won't be the neuralizer, but it might work better. Right. But it is true that smell is heavily overlooked. And I do know a lot of um, some of the key biologists at UCI are mm -hmm. focusing on smell and for instance, its impact on learning and performance. Hmm. So I can see that could be a direction to go, but I'll leave it to the yeah. engineer. I'd, yeah. I'd actually kind of think, worry about using smell because you wouldn't want to create a memory of the neuralizer. So in my mind, oh you don't want them to smell anything. If anything, you might want to go and plug up their nose hmm. so that the, the actual memory of the neuralizer isn't attached to a smell. Okay. That makes sense. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Okay. Well, and I like the light part of it as yeah, well because that's, that's the key. The light to me makes sense. The light could like overwhelm your brain. Yeah. You could like make some coded almost. message that, uh, as they say in the movie, that you know, attaches, you know, affects the parts of your brain that are memory-based. Right. And so you could imagine some sort of freaky code that 
the, the aliens have figured out, because right. it's a gift from our friends sure. from out of town. That's true. That's exactly right. <laughs> that causes your brain to either become very suggestible, like mm. it could be some sort of hypnosis thing, mm -hmm. right? or just makes you overwhelmed such that when the men in black then implant a plausible explanation, very plausible explanation right, right. <laughs> for what happened, you believe that right away. Fits right in there. And it fits right in. Hmm. Well, I like that. And the thing about light that I like about all this, besides it being such a direct, I mean, it's its closest line yeah. directly to the brain physically. High you know? bandwidth. Yeah. I, I, what I like about this is so there's a lot of research that's actually been done with with um, with optical, with photons, with light into brains. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a, um, a study that was done with basically taking algae, so taking um, a light-sensitive algae, splicing it with the genes of a rat, making neurons that are photosensitive, photo putting a, a cute little hat uh, on top <laughs> of the mouse that goes right into their brain. It looks cute, but it's actually pretty devious. It's got little, little um, uh, fiber optics coming out of its head. Light switch will put light right into their brain. So what you do is you basically can create a positive memory those memories can become coded with this algae. You can put the rat inside a space where it is uncomfortable. You can flip the switch. The light will attract the positive neurons with the positive memory of that space. And then the rat will now like that space. We can do this. So we're already using light to manipulate memory. Right. So it's just the next step before we can then, you know, attract like a magnet, those, the memories we want to erase and then obliterate yeah. them. You know? And I think really, what I liked about what Ben said is there's kind of a different number of different ways we can think about the neuralizer. We can go back to your earlier statement of wiping out the brain entirely. Mm -hmm. You can imagine a light signal that's so overwhelming, mm -hmm. it's like a hard drive reset. Now, that's right. dangerous. From the neuralizer point of view, they obviously right. don't erase all memories. Yeah, get up like the operating um, system. Like you're, right. you can't just like be at a coma. Right? A coma. You, you could, so doing an erasing with the light, the challenge is figuring out how to get the light to selectively erase. Mm, right. Which is what mm. you want to do. Yeah. The, but the two things that are, are, are very intriguing to me are one is simply uh, inducing a hypnosis state because really they're always dealing with short-term memory that hasn't become long-term memory yet. Mm. And they're always dealing with basically what you talked to Elizabeth Loftus about, mm. manipulating your eyewitness testimony of an immediate event, right. not totally erasing a memory. Right, right, right. right. So, so the hypnotic state within the suggestion is kind of an intriguing way to go. Yeah. I've also been fascinated by the idea of maybe a subliminal message in the light signal, okay. right? like they used to do in the movie theaters, right? So you know they would flash things up and make you want to go buy popcorn. Now they just flash up the popcorn. They don't bother with being subliminal. Right, right, yeah, and they yeah, just, yeah. You know, Nothing subtle about what they do. Nothing subtle. But you could imagine a combination, like so the neuralizer is actually programmed. It's a little different than when they show it, right? You, you program in the start of the memory and the combination of the subliminal stuff and what you say works together. That, so w would then, you know, to go back to an earlier episode that we did, could you make glasses that would stop this alien signal from getting into your head, which is similar to what they wear in the Men in Black? I think, yeah. No, a subtle connection, Dan. I set it up. You caught it. You, you went there. I, <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, they always wear sunglasses. Glasses. Are they Hoffman glasses or Hoffman lenses? Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Uh, I think that's, that's, that's an incredible connection. Um, ben, what do you think? I mean, they must be, or something like that. I mean, they're blocking an alien signal. The neuralizer is an alien signal. That's exactly right. <laughs> so I do wonder, they're always like behind the thing and it's pointed that way. I, I was yeah. never 100% sure why they needed the glasses. I guess it's stray light or reflection. Yeah, reflect, you don't want, you you don't want, want any risks. Yeah, yeah there's no, no risks involved. Right, I mean, yeah. Someone's wearing a glare on their whatever. Right. Um, well, so there's a couple of things I want to talk about because there are 
a lot of interesting ways people have started affecting the way the brain can kind of see things. A lot of it's through chemicals. So there's a woman named Kath, uh, or a man named Kareem Nader. He basically taught a rat to be afraid of a mouse and played a tone. He gave them a, uh, a neurotransmitter blocker, essentially. Um, it's a neurotransmitter that blocks the way we store memories. And then he was able to make the rat not afraid by essentially blocking the thing that made it afraid from a neurotrans from a chemical standpoint. I know this is difficult when we're talking about light being the reason for it. Right. But is there a way to again it's a question for Ben, is there a way to use photoactivity to trigger a neurotransmitter production? Uh within the brain potentially. I don't know if I haven't heard of much. I do know electromagnetic waves in general can affect the brain. Not necessarily light level photons, but um, you could, you can uh, certainly uh, with strong magnets, you can affect the way your brain reacts. And you can actually um, put really strong magnetic fields into the into your visual cortex, and it will cause you to think you're seeing lights hmm. when wow. in reality you're just having a magnet right <laughs> at the back head. of your head. Yeah, well, I, and I do think there's, let, let's go back to the smell, but not quite smell. Okay. Right. I Ima love it. Imagine a combination of releasing an airborne chemical mm -hmm. that they breathe mm -hmm. that is then light activated. So maybe oh, there might be a, there it. may not be a natural way to do it immediately. Yeah. Um, but, so there's that. But we also recognize, even though the flash is a key part of it, they could be using the full electromagnetic spectrum. That's true. Um, now, they wouldn't necessarily get very powerful magnetic fields from electromagnetic radiation, but right. they might activate other sort of chemical pathways in your brain. I, I love that. That's where I was going to go. I, want, I was wondering if there's a way to connect those two. You did it beautifully um, because also it's a movie. We can't smell. There's no smell right. vision, yeah. right? We don't know what's going on there. Exactly. Uh, I think that that may actually be something that's, I think a combination of electromagnetic spectrum, chemicals, that's going to raise I think here. it could. Uh, I think we may, we may have done this one. You know, uh, it's, it's, you know, we talked about memory being a hard drive. There is, you know, a lot of people, I don't want to close on this. This is kind of traumatic, but it's really interesting when we talk about the way <laughs> old... as traumatic as some of the things we talked about, Dan. That's, but, okay, that's fair. Well, Harvard University is using electroconvulsive therapy in order to essentially eliminate tragic memories. There's people with PTSD, people that are, you know, where it becomes, it's debilitating for them right, to kind right. of go through life. That's, I mean, electricity, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's on the spectrum, right, of what yes. we're talking about. Yeah. Um, was there something going on here? Maybe this is like the primitive version of what we're talking yeah. about. You know, where it yeah. takes to plug it into someone. Where it's just a couple of years before we make it, you know, yeah. through the air. I mean, the reality is our brains are fundamentally, it's, it's electrochemical, but it's, electro, it's electrical. It's, it's ions, charged ions moving around in mm -hmm. your brain, right. exchanging charges. And that's what our mind is. It's right. this electrochemical it's reaction. Simple. Um, and so if you juice it up with some outside electricity, you can very easily <laughs> change the way your brain works. I mean, wow. the shock therapy has been around forever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and it hasn't been quite used this effectively. Or no. This no. humanely. But, but, but I, now yeah. we're getting into much more targeted ways. There's, um, there's electrodes that we've now put inside of people's brains mm -hmm. and they can, they're, um, they're ways to like treat Parkinson's where you, you can't stop the progression of the disease, the disease itself, but you can stop the symptoms yeah, yeah, by yeah. inhibiting the bad signals 
caused yeah. by the failure of the motor neurons. Well, and not only Parkinson's, debilitating depression, there's all yeah. kinds of things where yeah. you, the small little electrical stimulation in the right part of your brain, all of a sudden you're a totally different person. Yeah, but they've treated bipolarism yeah. with uh, shock therapy, all yeah. sorts of stuff. Uh, th this is, I think we're really close to this. It, it's an interesting, I think, as with so many things with the brain, mm. it comes down to precision. Yeah, yeah. Right. We're yeah. in a stage where we can manipulate the brain and measure the brain, but not precisely yet. Yeah. But way more precisely than we right. could even say 10 years ago. Well, so we don't know where that's going. No. No, I think that's fair. And one other thing, which I don't think we can tackle and answer, but the, the key to the neuralizer that I really like is, like you said, specificity. You right. look on the back, it's days, months, years, or whatever. Yeah. Well, you know, one guy erases his whole, you know, decades, right? Yeah. Or you can erase five seconds ago. That is the tricky part, is once yeah. you start digging into short-term memories are kind of easy to dump. When you start getting into the long-term stuff, there's really hardwired stuff that's hard yeah. to get a fiddle although, with. Well, combobulate and recombobulate. what we see in Men in Black too is they can get the memories back. Oh, spoiler they, alert, a I haven't seen that. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry for spoiling a gazillion-year-old. I don't care how old the movie is, <laughs> Benjamin! But what they do is there's the denuralizer, and it works on bringing back the long-term memories. So potentially, when they're turning that dial up to long term, yeah. it may just be doing kind of An some sort of hippocampus thing that's uh, causing you to not be able to recall the old stuff. I see. But well, it's like, still there. like a hard drive. Yeah. It's always still there because, you know, in the movies, the spies can always find everything. Of course. Yeah. So it's the same with your brain. So it's like that erases the header. You put the yeah. header back it's, on. Or it's like what Denon was talking about with the epigenetics. There, there's yeah. more to your brain than just right. more, more to long term memory than just the connection. So if something else is changing, you know, we could potentially quickly block it and quickly unblock it. That's crazy. Recovery software for your brain. Yeah. Uh, I think we're really close on this one. We are. I'm excited. This is this is great stuff. Another win. And you know what? We're undefeated. We're, we're I think we got a, a, a tie in there. We got oh, a yeah. Draw. Okay. A few ties. I, I think we're we going to draw. We too. have not lost. We haven't lost yet. Yes. No. Um, we have not, which is great. Um, but this can't be the end of the conversation. You want to talk about the neuralizer. How do you want to, if you've got someone in your life, you want brains to be erased. Um, how can people get in touch with Ben? Uh, you can get me on it, all the social media at B Seepser. That's B S I E P S E R. Thank you very much for that. Uh, Denon, people going to want to talk to you. What do yeah, we Yeah, so you find me at Denon Michael mm -hmm. for most places Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, all those fun things. Facebook is the slight difference. It's at Prof Denon Michael. Got to throw the prof in front of there. You have to if you yeah. want to. If you, if you want to do. If you want to find me on Facebook, right. yes. yeah. If you, if you don't want to find me on Facebook, don't even worry yeah. about it. That information is irrelevant. You can zap yeah. it and erase yeah. it. Uh, of course, I, <laughs> I am very difficult to find, but I'm going to make it very easy for you. On Twitter, I'm at I'm at Daniel J Glenn. Instagram at the Daniel J Glenn. Facebook Analytical Mastermind. It should be all like right here so i made it real easy for you um this is great guys i'm excited about this i can't wait to put one of these into work um so can't wait yeah. till next time man we'll it's gonna be exciting thing. very exciting stuff if uh, we remember next time if this might be our last episode <laughs> uh well thank you guys for this it's incredible thank, thank you. you and i want to thank everyone for listening have a good night Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies is a Glencoe production, and the introduction is written and produced by Daniel J. Glenn and Paul Springers with music and sound design written and performed by Paul Springers. If you like the show, please listen, subscribe, review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, and now Spotify. It would be incredibly helpful to get a review from you guys. Let us know what you think. And of course, you can go to the website to learn more about this episode and all the links we talk about. I 
include all the links uh, that, that, are, that are involved with this episode. I update it every time some new piece of information comes out that makes these even more realistic than they already are. If you'd rather watch the show, we got it on YouTube, youtube.com backslash Daniel J. Glenn, where you can watch us interact. You can look at the pop-ups. We've got videos that go along with it, all kinds of links. Of course, you can find that on the Fascinating Gadgets, Gizmos, and Gear-Based Technologies website ftriplegbt.com and of course you can follow the show on social media listen to all the episodes and if you like this show you're going to love Fascinating Nouns where I talk to Elizabeth Loftus about memory she's the eyewitness testimony expert she has analyzed since the late 70s exactly how the brain remembers things how malleable it is and how the different parts of, of remembering can all be changed and altered. It's fascinating stuff, hence the name fascinatingnouns.com. And if you like that show, you can like everything that I do, go to danieljglenn.com to find out more. Thank you for listening.